Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. David's off today. Mike Maniscalco filling in. You know, whenever you want to get the truth about how a football team is playing, you go to an offensive lineman, period. Quarterbacks get flowery with language. Defensive linemen tell you how great they're playing. It's the offensive line that gives you the straight answers. And Kevin Donnelly joining us right now. He's talked Panther football, and he's going to give us some of the reasons why this team's on a winning streak right now, coming off a 16-10 win over the Houston Texans. Kevin, first off, thanks for joining the show today. Oh, glad to do it, Mike. All right, so let's get to it. What has been the biggest difference that you've seen in the Panthers in these two games with Kyle Allen under center? And more importantly, what you saw yesterday where they were able to handle what we all think is a great Houston Texans offense. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll start with the well, I'll start with the defensive side because that offense for the Texans was was one to be feared in the NFL. And Deshaun Watson's a guy that can make plays, uh, keep plays alive, move around the pocket. And the fact that they limited him and the amount of rushes that he had, that uh, they kept him contained pretty well back there and obviously getting the six sacks. And what I liked is they got pressure from a variety of different things. They ran a few blitzes, which obviously got home with um, Shaq Thompson had a really nice one, just smoked the guard. Uh, I hate to say that as a former offensive <laughs> lineman, but he did a great job juking him and getting inside there to bring down Watson. And then, uh, sometimes with just four-man rush, and y'all saw a nice variety of guys getting the rush out there. Obviously, having Bruce Irvin back was a big help, and uh, he made an impact on several plays. But you know, when you look at the six sacks, it was basically six different guys were involved in those sacks. Mario had two, obviously, but a couple guys split a sack, and so that's a lot of different guys getting back there and, and causing pressure, causing situations that make it difficult for the offense. And I think. Um, just what they called and how Coach Rivera coached that defense uh, was just a re really good scheme um, for that offense. And, you know, being that they're down there and the crowd noise and everything, um, being able to work through that I thought was fantastic. The coverage was tight. There was times where he had time to throw and didn't really have a lot of options downfield. And that's saying a lot with a, a starting cornerback out with uh, Dante Jackson and, and Ross Cockrell filling in very nicely for him. Uh, had a big game. And that's you know, really the the strength of your team is the depth. There's going to be injuries and things like that that happen along the line, and can you overcome it, uh, especially in short-term situations like this week with missing guys like Trey Turner, Kwan Short, and Dante. I mean, those are three big-time players on this team that weren't on the field, and they were still able to get some production. I think offensively, um, they did a really nice job protecting. I know there's the, the three sacks, and this is where my offensive lineman will come in here a little bit. Um, Really, two were given up, uh, one by Moten and, and one by uh, Greg Little. But uh, in defense of those players, you know, Greg Little, the fact that he gave up was a forced fumble from Merciless. He actually blocked him very well and took him uh, well around the depth of where the quarterback should be. He just uh, got some pressure from the other side and tried to get out of the pocket there. And um, there was just nowhere for him to go. So Merciless got that sack fumble. And then, you know, the one on – on Moten on the other side, again, it was Kyle Allen got about nine yards deep on his drop, and the guard and two, the two guards in center really did a nice job keeping the wall up front. The depth of the pocket was really good. He could have stepped up and avoided the slap from J.J. Uh, Watt knocking the ball out there. So there's some little tweaks that certainly Kyle Allen can work on to help that situation. It's not all about just, just holding the ball and protecting it more. It's about um, just getting more pocket presence, and he's shown that. I mean, Arizona really got away from some pressure and did some nice things uh, in this game. 
maybe not as many opportunities downfield with stepping up defensively when you go from an Arizona team that's near the bottom to a Texans team with guys like J.J. Watt and Merciless and Reader, who's doing a great job in the middle of that defensive line. So, uh, you know, I thought this team, you know, won at the line of scrimmage. Uh, obviously, you know, last thing on the offense was, was being able to run the ball as effectively as they did with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and virtually all his runs were were up the middle. You know, for a guy that's not supposed to be able to run between the tackles, uh, did it very well uh, yesterday and helped them get the win. Kevin Donnelly talking Carolina Panthers football with us here on the David Glenn Show. Kevin, you played for a lot of head coaches who had defensive coordinator backgrounds. How much does Ron Rivera love the fact that he can just be ground and pound and count on his defense to win games right now? And how much do offensive linemen love that? Well, I think they do. We absolutely love running the ball and then the play action off of it. So we want to run it as effectively as possible. There's there's so much more stress and pressure when uh, you're pass blocking because, you know, the health of your quarterback is at stake. And there's no other position on the field where, you know, if you mess up, someone could get hurt. I mean, for a guy to to whiff a block, not be mentally sharp and, and miss an assignment, uh, that's somebody that, that could get a big blow on the quarterback, and that affects uh, your whole franchise for maybe even an extended period of time. So there's so much pressure on that. They would much rather run the ball and be able to do it you know, on the road with the crowd noise, uh, be effective in the passing game when they had to, not as prolific as, as they were against Arizona. But um, you know, I think that you know, Kyle, what we've seen is he's really smart with the ball and his decisions to where to throw it. Uh, there's still some things he can get better on. There were some open targets downfield that he probably should have gone for instead of some difficult throws. But uh, when you can run the ball and then run that play action off of it, it just slows everything down with those defensive linemen. And, you know, it keeps the clock running. It gives uh, the defense a chance to get a break. Uh, you know, what what they were able to do was just maintain some drives, even if it didn't pay off in points. Uh, and a couple times getting off their own goal line and at least getting to about the 40 or 50-yard line before having to punt uh, really helped them win the, the field position game. And that's something that, that kind of goes unnoticed for me. The, the special teams were outstanding, uh, maybe just besides the one that Ray-Ray McLeod let bounce on the ground and end up being like a 71-yard punt. But, yeah. but other than that, some nice returns. And then Joey Sly, I mean, comes through again big time in a game that uh, was close and field goals mattered more than anything. Uh, that 55-yarder was was big time. Where does the credit go for this team after being 0-2 to, to find a way to get to 2-0? and And we can argue without their best player in Cam Newton. What does it say about – where does that come from? Is that coaching? Is it the guys in the room? Where do they get to this? Well, I think, you know, when you start out the season a little bit behind the eight ball because of two reasons, starting with a quarterback that was um, – had off-season surgery, is still trying to get back into the mix and then slowed by injuries at the beginning of the year – then the fact with transitioning to a multiple-style defense where we've seen them run a 3-4 look, a four-man line look, um, some different things they've incorporated, some different blitzes. Um, you know, a couple of things to me that have happened is the defense having a chance to work together and play together. They're getting better every week. I mean, this defense, I think, is going to finish top five in the league when it's all said and done um, with the parts that they have. On paper, they've got some great players and they've got some good depth at key positions. Offensively, I think it really is about, you know, they, they just rallied. They knew that they were in a really bad situation with Cam Newton having to be out, and it could be an extended period of time that 
there's something about that circle the wagon mentality that you get into that it's it's us versus the world and, and no one expects our backup quarterback with limited experience to come in here and be able to win games for us and it's hard to, to kind of quantify that but everybody just kind of picks it up a little bit more knowing that there's just a high pressure situation with with needing wins and needing to help a quarterback be successful in some of these starts early in the season and um, you can't put a uh, you know a, a price on the fact that when you go against Arizona and you know early in that game there was a mistake with the fumble um, Arizona was able to score first but then Kyle Allen leads him back and scores you know a touchdown to answer their touchdown and suddenly you could kind of see the the faith in that you know the defense doesn't have to feel all the pressure that they have to have a stellar game if they're going to win they know that the offense can get some points uh, and I think that built even more against uh, the Texans even though they didn't score a whole lot of points um, did a lot of good things especially running the ball and using Christian McCaffrey who was just dominant in that game um, that works both ways you know the offense gets confident the defense will, will stand and do some things really well after having three turnovers, um, being able to only limit them to just uh, points off of one of those turnovers was fantastic. And then the defense knowing that, you know, if they don't have to do everything possible to, to keep a team to three or zero points or, or somewhere in that realm, I think they play looser and they play better knowing that their offense can be effective and those guys will get down the field and score. So it's, it's just really hard to put your finger on, but, you know, you see those points where the, the defense learning the scheme and getting a little bit better each week at that scheme that they're running and, and Coach Rivera knowing their strengths and weaknesses and what will work well and not work well. And then the flip side with the offense just kind of um, starting to get in a groove here now that they've won a couple of games and, and North Turner's getting more comfortable with giving Kyle Allen some more responsibility back there. It's, you know, they're, they're poised to, to maybe win a couple of more here with um, the Jaguars and Tampa Bay coming up. All right, Kevin, you had 144 games as a starter on the offensive line in the NFL. When you had a week where you had to go up against a guy like J.J. Watt or this upcoming week, Saxonville, they try to come come back with that. And, you know, Calais Campbell sitting there waiting for you or you, you look at Marcel Darius. How much film did you look at at those guys? Or are you like, no, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see what they do. I'm just going to worry about myself. Well, I know I know it's Saxonville, but I think they got about 12 sacks on the year. I may be wrong, I don't, I, but it's not far <laughs> off of that. This Carolina Panthers team has had 14 the last two weeks, so uh, I don't know what you're going to call it, uh, Charlotte. You know, get a nickname for that instead of uh, Saxonville. But uh, you know, it's a cool name. But right now, we're in control of that. They need to look at our defense and find pressure. But for me, when I had to face, you know, during my era, it was Bruce Smith, oh. Derek Thomas, Leslie O'Neill. Um, you know, Reggie White, it was those guys that you're preparing for. I mean, I basically lived at the facility and just took in as much film as I possibly could, um, did extra treatment, everything I could to just feel the best I could because I just wanted to walk out there on Sunday and know that I've done everything in my, my power to prepare uh, for that kind of um, game that you're going against. And you really count on your offensive coordinator, too, to, to not put you in some, some situations that, you know, you have – these isolated instances where one of the best pass rushers in the league can get after one of your players that you build in some things that help protect some areas that are some weaknesses. And, you know, when you have that kind of going for you and obviously the running game with, with Christian McCaffrey is going to be a big help as they go uh, to play Jacksonville here at Bank of America on Sunday. And I will say this, we're talking kind of O-line. I was really proud of what Greg Little did um, coming in for his first start. 
Uh, he did have the sack. I kind of explained it to you what went really yep. down with that. But, man, if you watch him throughout this game, um, really moved his feet well, used his hands well, and went against the guy, a bunch of reps. Whitney Merciless was their leading you know, sack getter on the season going into that game. And Greg Little did a fantastic job on him. And I really liked what he did in the run game, too. I think there was a knock on him coming out of college, maybe not the most physical guy. He opened up some nice holes there for Christian McCaffrey uh, and did a nice job. So it's only week one. There's there's so much more he has to learn uh, after his first start, but was really proud of the way he was able to fill in when they had some injuries. Tevin, great stuff. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Oh, you got it, man. Go Panthers and keep pounding. <laughs> there it is. And if they keep doing this, they will be. Keep pounding to victories. That's Kevin Donnelly. Love when offensive linemen start talking about how good the offensive line plays. Just get out of the way. Let them go. Uh, when general managers and presidents of hockey teams want to talk, we get out of the way and let them talk. Coming up, we're going to be joined by Don Waddell. He is the president and general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. Their opening night of the regular season is Thursday against the Montreal Canadiens. Some plot lines there and what he likes about his team heading into this season, all coming up here on the David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. It's the David Glenn Show. Mike Maniscalco filling in for David today. Carolina Hurricanes open up their NHL regular season Thursday night against the Montreal Canadiens. And joining us, he is the president and general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, Don Waddell. Don, always appreciate the time. I know you've got to be excited to put the preseason behind you and get ready for the regular season. Yeah, no doubt about it, Mike. Uh, we, uh, you know, preseason gets a little bit long, and you're just hoping to get through without too many injuries and gear up for the regular season, which you mentioned starts on Thursday night. Can I give you a chance to shorten preseason? Would you do it as a front office guy? Yeah, unfortunately, the league requires you to play a minimum of six games, <laughs> maximum of eight games, and I'd like to play like three games, really. Your veterans don't really want to play that many games, and you're always risking injuries and so forth. So, you know, I think there's a purpose for training camp, uh, but the amount of games you're playing in the 20 days of training camp also uh, is tough on your uh, on your players. Well, opening night coming up, as we mentioned, on Thursday, but you still have a lot of work to do between now and tomorrow, 5 o'clock, October 1st. That's when the opening night roster has to be set. How much debate is still going on as to who's going to make this hockey club, Don, and and what are you going to do with some of the players who are injured and how that impacts the roster? Yeah, no, we've uh, we've looked at every uh, situation uh, in depth. Uh, obviously, we get some good word on a couple of our injured guys today, uh, Brian Dezingo and Marty Nikash, who both will practice with the team tomorrow. We're hoping that all goes well. If that goes well, that'll resolve that. And Jake Gardner, we're also hoping, is going to practice tomorrow. So uh, doom and gloom, as it looked a few days ago, there is hope at the uh, at the end of the tunnel here. And we're hoping tomorrow goes well, and we're ready to roll if that's the case. You know, this was a team, down that reached the Eastern Conference Finals last year. But you guys just didn't kind of do the let's go and, and bring everybody back together. You made some tweaks and some big changes. What were some of the things that you were looking at from the end of the season last year that you felt this team needed to address to get to that next level, to become a Stanley Cup team? Why were some of these changes made? What were the things you were looking at? 
Well, certainly this game's about speed and goal scoring. And, you know, anytime you have the opportunity to do both, add speed, add goal scoring, um, it's something that uh, I think every team looks at. Uh, you know, we had a great run last year, as we know, going to conference finals, uh, played tremendous hockey the second half of the season. And, you know, remember we made the playoffs the last week of the season. So we can't be content. And going to the conference finals, we felt that we needed to upgrade our hockey club. We feel like we have done that, and we addressed some areas that uh, we certainly believe will help us. Don, how different is the gap between the best team in the league and the teams fighting for a playoff spot as opposed to where it used to be, where you could almost say these are the eight teams we know that are going to the playoffs? No, parity parity with the salary cap system is certainly in our league and alive. Um, you know, there, there's, you look at the schedule. You used to look at the schedule and think, well, okay, this is, a, this is a W, this is a loss, whatever. You can't do that anymore. Any team home or away is, an, is able to uh, win hockey games. So there's no easy games anymore. The only thing that we know, the points you pick up in October, October, November, mean as much as you get in uh, February, March. So we got to be ready when the season starts and, you know, get, get some of those early points and not play catch-up hockey as we had to last year. What has impressed you the most about your head coach, Rod Brindamore, that maybe you didn't know about him when he was handed the reins of the club last year? Well, we all know Rod as a person and what he what he means to this organization and this city. Uh, but what people, uh, you know, everybody talks about his work ethic as he was as a player and as a coach. And, you know, that, that can't be underestimated because his work ethic, you know, everybody talks about his conditioning level, one of his players, but the hours he puts in watching film, watching every player, watching what other teams are doing, you know, that's beyond what people really get to see abroad. And, you know, us close get to, to speak with him on a daily basis and watch how he works. So, you know, there, there's, this is Rod's life. Uh, you know, I've had lots of coaches that uh, say this is their life, but Rod, you know, he puts every effort that he possibly can to make sure the team's prepared, not just for games, but even for practice, to work on the things that we need to be better at. And, you know, again, he will never be satisfied until we win a Stanley Cup. Well, I know it's funny how the sports world works, but did you just sit back and laugh uh, as this offseason unfolded, the offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo by Montreal, and then you look at the schedule, and the first team that your Carolina Hurricanes play this year is the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, it's kind of funny how everything works out. And, uh, you know, and when that all happened, uh, I didn't even think twice about it. And as we got a little closer, and realized that Montreal was the opponent, but and, you know, that that part is behind us, you know, whether it's Montreal or whoever we're playing, uh, particularly on open night, you know, our job is to go out and get two points and start the season off on the right way at home. You know, we got a big weekend. we got the Thursday night, and then we go to Washington for Saturday rematch of that series last year, and then we come home against a very good team on Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock in Tampa, who I think is one of the best teams in the league. When you, you take a look at what this offseason held for your team, you could have stayed pat in a couple of places and, and let some contracts play out. What was the thing that made the Justin Falk deal the right thing in the right time for you in which the Canes get back Joel Edmondson and uh, Dominic Bach, who I know isn't uh, over here yet, but a lot of people are raving about what what made that timing right? We knew that there was a, evidently a trade that's out there that didn't materialize. Did that have anything to do with making this timing or, or speeding up the timeline of trading Justin Falk? No, I don't think so. I think we said all along, you know, our goal was to sign Justin. We tried to reach a negotiation, reach a contract extension, and just couldn't 
get there with him and his uh, representation. So, you know, we were we weren't in the position that we could afford just to lose uh, Justin Falk for nothing mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And you know, that's being able to sign Jake Gardner, who we think is really going to help our power play. We really felt that we wanted to get another uh, more stay-at-home, good penalty kill and defenseman, and that's where you know when St. Louis and I started talking, and we were talking about Dominic Fox, who is a former first-round pick that we all have high hopes for. You know, we asked for Joel Edmonton too. So once we got where we got comfortable with the deal, that yes, replacing Justin Fox hard, but we replaced him with signing Gardner and then getting another stay-at-home defenseman. We felt that we were in a good position to bring a different type of player than Justin to our hockey club, but then add a player like Dominic Fox, who, to all our knowledge and reports, we think is going to be a very good NHL player in the next few years. He is the president and general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, Don Waddell. They open up the season Thursday against the Montreal Canadiens. Don, it's the game's changed a lot, but so have the buildings. Uh, did you ever think there'd be a day where there'd be, I don't know, a, a massive video board in the middle of an arena that will have everybody's attention during the game? Yeah, it's incredible. You know, we watch new video boards come up around the league and that, and everybody's got a little bit different. But when you look at our new video board, it goes from blue line to blue line. And for state basketball games, will be from the uh, free throw keys to the, from one end to the other end. It's massive. And the clarity of it is incredible. I think uh, our fans, for not only our team, but for the Wolfpack, they're going to be very pleased with what they see once they come in PNC Arena. Because, And then if you're down low, we've got huge underbelly uh, monitors. So if you're down for hockey in the front 10 rows or so, or same for basketball, you don't have to strain your neck. You're going to have a great view of what's going on through those under-mounted uh, belly cameras or uh, monitors. Don, was there any thought given about you were going to put my face on those video boards and how that's going to frighten most of the crowd? No, we try to sell it, Mike, but unfortunately uh, we couldn't pay enough money to make it happen. So uh, we're going to try to keep you away from that <laughs> the video board. Don, thank you very much. I know that you're excited for the start of the season, and so is everybody. And that, I think, is the most refreshing thing this offseason, how everybody's excited in what we saw yesterday. That's got to make you feel good that it's a capacity building to watch a preseason game for the Hurricanes. Well, last year we did it. We had 13,000 people. And, you know, it's our, it's our give back to our fans, our community, where everything, the parking was free, tickets were free, and have full, full capacity plus some in the building was incredibly fun. It was a great atmosphere in there and something that we're hoping it'll carry over till, uh, until Thursday night. Don, thank you so much and uh, cannot wait for Thursday night. And you got it, Mike. Thank you. There's the president and general manager of your Carolina Hurricanes. He is Don Waddell. And a lot of good things on the horizon for this Carolina Hurricanes team. Coming up, what is on the horizon for the North Carolina Tar Heels? We will find out with their play-by-play voice, Jones Angel, about the play call, the decision. And, oh, if you're forgetting about it, they held the number one team to the country to just 21 points. Uh, what we take out of Saturday's loss for the Tar Heels coming up next. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. It's the David Glenn Show. 
coming through on your desktop, radio, Bluetooth device, whatever it is that you ingest this show. Ingest? That'd be right, right, Vaught? You consume, consume audio yeah. content? Well, I, I don't try know to, about ingest. I That's... try to stay away from the word consume after the playoffs this year. And never mind, I'll tell you. After we're done talking to a real play-by-play -play voice, he is the man who calls Tar Heel football and basketball an all-around great fellow. Jones Angel joining us here on the David Glenn Show. Mike Maniscalco in for DG and Jones. Great to talk to you again. And I know there's no moral victories, but... Man, the kids who wear the, uh, the Tar Heel blue have to feel that things are starting to trend in the right direction after Saturday, right? Mike, uh, yeah, first of all, great to be with you, man. Hope you're doing well. And secondly, it, yeah, I mean, it was about 98% the perfect day in, in Chapel Hill for Carolina football. Um, yeah, just the, the way the Tar Heels played, uh, the atmosphere in the stadium. Carolina had more than 100 recruits at the game. Um, and just all of it left you feeling very positive, even though there was the disappointment of the fact that Carolina came up one point short against what we all know is just a fantastic Clemson team and Clemson program. And uh, I do think, Mike, it'll be interesting to see from here where Carolina goes because I, this, this can be a big step forward. I, I think this can be uh, a, a real uh, – watershed mark for Mac Brown as he builds this program. Um, but Carolina has to, has to take those next steps. They, they can't sit there like um, I think maybe happened after the first two games this year and feel like things were, were really going the right way and then all of a sudden not show that same level of, of passion or energy or execution in, in the games against Wake and Appalachian. You know, Carolina has to be able to carry over all the good things that happened on Saturday they have to carry over to this next Saturday in a game that isn't going to get as much attention in a game that won't be talked about as much, but a game that's extraordinarily important for the Tar Heels as they go down to Atlanta to see Georgia Tech. And so great day again with that caveat of you to love that, that last percent or two to go your way. Um, and now we'll, let's see how the Tar Heels can build off of it moving forward. Well, Jones, as you know, the talking point from the game was the decision to go for two and win the game with about a minute and a half left your thought on just Mac Brown and the, the offensive coaching staff decision to say, no, we're going to try to put our team in the lead right here. What was your thought when you're seeing the offense stay on the field? Yeah, I'll give you a couple things. Uh, Mike, first of all, you know, I talked to coach Brown had his regular press availability today. And then he and I did some stuff after that. And we were talking about it. And yeah, I phrased a question to him similar to what you just said and said, you know, coach, you and your staff elected to do this and stay really aggressive. And he said, well, first of all, let me just say, this was my decision. And I'm speaking as him now. Obviously, it wasn't my Jones's decision. <laughs> uh, no one would want that. Um, he said, look, this was my decision. I, I'm the one who made that call. Nobody else on the staff did. This was me making that choice as the head coach of the, of the football team. And it, he brought up a couple things that I thought were, were good, Mike. And one was, you know, that he has a better feel than anybody else can have for what his offense is feeling, what his defense is feeling at that moment. And as somebody who's in the Hall of Fame, as somebody who has had the level of success that he's had, he read that feeling and, and that went towards his choice to not only go for two, but also go for it on fourth down earlier in uh, the fourth quarter than when the Tar Heels weren't yep. successful. Also, he said, um, he's to the point of his career, and I thought this was really interesting. He said, look, I'm to the point of my career, I, I don't care what people 
say? Well, you know, what are they going to? Am I going to go? Am I going to get fired? Am I? Gonna, am I trying to get another job? He said we could have played it safe. That'd have been the safer thing to do as a coach because then if you go into overtime and, and you don't win, it's oh well, you know they 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 took them right to the very edge and, and this talking point of the two point conversion is there. But he said that's that's not who he wants to be. That's not what he's trying to build with this team. He he felt like they needed to go win it right then. And that's what he felt like was the best choice for his group that day. That's what he felt like was the best choice for this team and this program moving forward was to show that they were going to be aggressive, they were going to try and take this thing, and that he felt like they had a good, a better chance of success on that one play to give you a good chance to win the game compared to if you then went into overtime. And let's not forget, Clemson had more than a minute left in some timeouts too, so it wouldn't have ended the game right then anyway. Um, so I, I think it was just that overall in-the-moment mindset and big-picture mindset, Mike, of this is who we want to be. We want to be the aggressor. We want to be the team that's going to go out and try and win it, not just do what, what may be the safest thing or the thing that's going to make you uh, not have to discuss this topic when you're on the David Glenn Show on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Jones Angel joining us here. Good thing David Glenn's not hosting the show today. You're discussing it with me. That's so it's it's totally different, Jones. Happy to do so. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask you about the defense and, and their effort, but how you just phrased that. I want to go back to moving forward. What do you think that does for Sam Howell's confidence that Max says, go out there and win it for me and his development moving forward, how important the quarterback position is in college football today that Mac Brown goes, all right, freshman, I'm giving you the ball, go win it. Sure. Yeah, I, you know, I think one thing Sam Howell does not lack is confidence. Um, he has a lot of confidence in himself, and he has that confidence because he has natural ability and he works hard enough to back up that ability. And when you have that combination of somebody who works really hard in practice and in the film room and putting in the extra time and he's really talented, then you have the right to be confident. And, and so I don't know if Sam could get any more confident by this play call, but I think it just shows where he is in his development. Um, that Carolina felt comfortable saying, hey, here's a play and we want you to go try and make this happen. In fact, Bill Longo, Carolina's offensive coordinator, I was talking to him last week, Mike, and he said at this point of his career and at this age, he had never worked with a quarterback that he felt like was further ahead. Now, again, there's those caveats of his age and where he is in his career, but as a freshman, as somebody who's now played just five games at the college level, Phil Longo said that about Sam Howell, and I think that belief, that confidence in him is there from his teammates, is from his coaching staff, and it's from everybody around the program. And quite honestly, I did not think Saturday was Sam Howell's best game. And some of that is because Clemson is so good, and they are so good defensively. And I thought he was a little less accurate than he has been all year because he has been extraordinarily accurate. But you know what he did do, Mike? And, and Brian Simmons, our analyst, brought this up, I thought, really well uh, on our broadcast on Saturday, is yet again, it got down to, it got down to the moment where you had to, ha if you had the ball, you had to go make something happen. And Sam Howell made it happen. And he has made it happen every single week when it matters. And so, um, man, I think Tar Heels are really excited and confident in who they have at that position moving forward. Well, the defense, and I think one of the things that got lost this weekend, Jones, was how good that Tar Heel defense was against a Clemson offense that puts up points at will. 
where is that coming from? Is it just, is it a scheme? Is it a design? Is it players in the right spot? And how about guys who made position changes over the offseason yeah. to help lead this defense and do what they did on Saturday afternoon? I thought it was a stunningly impressive performance from Carolina's defense, and that is not because the Tar Heels have not been good on that side of the ball. I, I think anybody who has watched Carolina play this year sees that this defense is, is steps ahead of where it has been the last several seasons. Why I say that is because of how good Clemson is and how Clemson has moved the ball against everybody they've played, and whether that is somebody from the Southern Conference or someone from the Southeastern Conference. They have moved the ball at will because they are just that talented. They are just that deep, and they have so many. You can do everything right on defense, and they can still beat you um, because they're just that good. And so for Carolina to hold them, you know, the 24 points less than, than what they had been averaging or 21 points less, somewhere in that range, for, to hold them to less than 100 yards fewer than what they had been gaining on average per game this season, I, I thought was the story of the game from the X's and O's standpoint from the Tar Heels. And I, I'll tell you, Mike, Jay Bateman is a really, really, really good defensive coordinator. I think that's where it starts for the Tar Heels. He's somebody who understands defense. He's somebody who's flexible. Uh, his scheme is unique. It's aggressive. It is based on trying to confuse the opponent by giving them different looks, by giving them something that may look like one thing but is actually something else, and, and uh, is really, really impressive. And it hasn't been perfect this year, and Carolina needs to get deeper. They've been hit with some injuries on that side of the ball, too. They had to play three freshmen in the starting lineup this past Saturday. Um, but Jay Bateman's legit, and, and he's got his guys believing in it on the defensive side. They're excited to go out there and play. They're flying around. They're playing fast, and, and I think all that's really good. Um, now, there'll still be some bumps in the road. They need to get better. They need to continue to grow, and Carolina's got to be committed to Jay Bateman because some other teams, I, I'm going to guess, are going to be interested in him in the future and so uh, they've got a really good one there that I think they'd like to keep for a long time. Jones thanks for the time three games just three games in October for the North Carolina Tar Heels uh, but two on the road at Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech and then uh, I get the feeling that game before Halloween against Duke might be big for both of the sides that are there. Uh, I know it's a three-game losing streak, but it doesn't feel like it after that performance. Jones, as always, great to hear from you. Great calls of the game. And as you mentioned, now it's time for the Tar Heels to take the momentum, even though it's a loss, moving forward uh, for the rest of this month. Always appreciate the time, Jones. Thanks so much. Oh, man, always enjoy talking with you, Mike. Hope to be able to see you soon. You got it. That's Jones Angel. We got He's got time. I can get him to a hockey game if he wants to go. I mean, ask him right now, Darren, if he wants to. I mean, three games in October. That's a dream. I got three games next week. It's a dream. It's good stuff. Always great to talk to Jones Angel. Coming up, quick little segment. Uh, as I bid adieu, I probably will not be talking to you guys again here in this show uh, as a host until next August when Darren starts asking me, hey, can you fill in for an entire week? And then we banter back and forth. Uh, also, some, some baseball to get into. In your last chance for the best and worst of the weekend, you might get the final word on the show. You're not. I'm going to get the final word on the show. That's how it works. 1-800-849-2761. It's the David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Mm -hmm. 
It's the David Glenn Show. Thank you, Jimmy. Mike Maniscalco in for David here today. Final segment on a Monday. It is best and worst of the weekend. Still a few moments. We can beat the buzzer at 1-800-849-2761. That is the phone number to get your best and worst of the weekend from the sports world. There's a lot. By the way, Darren Vaught and I talking in the break about the North Carolina Tar Heels decision to go for two. And they don't come up with it. They lose at home to the number one team in the country, 21-20. You know what we're not talking about with North Carolina today? Maybe other people are. We're not talking about how the Tar Heels are on a three-game losing streak and their two losses before are to Wake Forest and App State. By the way, no shame losing to Wake Forest with how they're playing. And you know, App State, I think we know that they get athletes. They've been known to beat some people, and that's a pretty good team in the Sun Belt. But – you take a look. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about that they're two and three. They're talking about how the call, they almost beat Clemson. It is a national relevant comment today to talk about that decision. You know what wouldn't be? And I am serious because I've been here before. If Carolina kicks the extra point and then proceeds to watch Clemson march down the field and kick a field goal and win it or lose in overtime, it becomes a footnote. But if Carolina loses 28-21 in overtime, well, Clemson, you know, they, they do what they're supposed to do in overtime. Here it's all about UNC football. It's a brilliant thing if you think about it because if they get it and they win, awesome. You don't. Uh, and I like to call – I like being aggressive now in, in football. Don't, don't sit back. And, you know, where are all the analytics people who sit there and say, you should never punt. Ah! Should never kick. Ah! All right, where are you? Because it didn't work, you don't like it today? No, forget that. Uh, quickly, I need to bring in Darren Vaught, baseball fan extraordinaire. Same with me. Tomorrow's October 1st. That means playoff baseball, Darren. I'm excited. Uh, Very excited about that. As, as am I. So we'll quickly get to the who you got. Because for me, I, got, uh, I, I know what my heart says. I'm a fan of the evil empire. I would love it to be the Yankees. They don't have the horses as far as the arms go right now. Uh, and there's some holes in the lineup, believe it or not. The Astros, I just look at that team and you're like, where, where is the weakness? I don't see it. So the American League, I got Houston. Where are you? Houston as well. And that goes back to probably about midseason, maybe even a little bit earlier. They, to me, all along have just been the most complete team in Major League Baseball. I know record-wise and with the home runs the Yankees have put up and uh, at, at one point earlier in the year, the Red Sox obviously is defending champs, brought back roundabout the same team. So they were uh, talked about in that conversation as well. But no, in the AL, I've thought all along the Astros. And in the National League? I think, it, I think it's going to be the Atlanta Braves. I think there's, there's an element to their youth. And I, last year, they were uh, maybe a year or two ahead of schedule. I think – they're going to get to a point in an NL that is, I don't think, going to give them much of a fight in the playoffs. Yep. They're going to get to a point where they don't quite realize the magnitude of the moment. So I think it would be easy for them, if they're playing well, to just coast to you know the NLCS and, and beyond that. The only thing that I think will stop the Braves from going to the World Series is if Clayton Kershaw gets this playoff monkey off of his back. That's sure. it. Because Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw, 
that's a hard one-two punch to beat in a, a seven-game series. But I'm with you. By the way, all we talked about, if we're going to be honest, about, hey, Darren, let's uh, do one baseball segment. We didn't do who <laughs> we were going to pick. I have Houston and Atlanta. I really do. I nice. would love it. I would love it to be the Yankees and the Dodgers just for, you know, some nostalgia cool. purposes and things that go into it. But, no, Houston is just just a machine. When they added Granky, it's it's – there's no holes as far as the starting pitching goes. Their bullpen, maybe you can get their bullpen. Maybe. You know, if, if you got to point to the one place where they're not, where other teams, like I think the Yankees have an advantage over that. Uh, and then there's just Oakland who continue. I, <laughs> look, folks. You just threw your, for, for those who obviously cannot see Mike, you I, just threw yeah. your arms up in the air when you mentioned. I that. just, you look at it and you're like, it shouldn't. And it does. And then, <laughs> and then it does. It just it just wins somehow, but uh, good for the Tampa Bay Rays to get back in. Yeah, remember that that foolish thing that was never going to work. We're going to have an opener now. Everybody in the league's got an opener if you don't have, you know, four starters. That's two consecutive years, by the way. The lowest payroll team in baseball has made the playoffs. It was the A's last year, the Rays this You're year. You're just buying a championship, Vought. I don't want to hear it. God, I hate that. <laughs> Baseball is the one thing. Yes, if you got of the course, money, you, you hate spend it. it. You're a Yankee fan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> By the way, like those years in the '90s, take a look. the The Orioles had a higher payroll. Other right. teams had higher payroll. And you, you know what? Yeah, did I buy it? Yes, I did. What would you rather have your owner spend it on? Another car for himself or his dog or for the team? No, I get it. I get the it. The, the Red Sox have announced that they're going to start slashing payroll, and I'm just like. Why? You're the Red you know, Sox. You know why? Because because they have to do everything that the Yankees have done. <laughs> they can't have their own identity. <laughs> They've become what they contempt. It's a great way for me to leave this. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Darren. You made me happy. <laughs> That'll do it for uh, me filling in maybe for the last time. Or maybe, I don't know, if I pass the audition, I get a couple more cracks at this. For intern Will, who said nine words today, but they all hold a lot of water. And for Darren Vaught, who is kind enough to always ask me if I'll do this, and I hem and haw, and then finally say yes. Uh, to all of our guests who join us today, greatly appreciate it. David is uh, supposedly sandbagging his way to a golf title here somewhere. Is David back tomorrow? Yeah, I better get a part. I better get a free polo or something for his win. Uh, this will do it for the David Glenn Show. I think it was a best, not a worst. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.